in this episode of Collector Reject. Prince Robot definitely seems like a character name at yes. least that a child would come up with. It'd be like, his name's gonna be Prince Robot and his yes. head's gonna be a TV? <laughs> Whether you a hero or a villain, expedition leads to crazy villains. Every page I turn, you know I got a villain. New stories everywhere, busting out the comic strip. Story so good, it got me on a power trip. Crazy battles got my mind in a total race. Page one, the original story takes place. So gear up for the new storyline. Writing so good, it sends chills down your spine. Collect or reject, 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 collect or reject. Greetings, true believers. Welcome to Collect or Reject a show about comics, or more specifically, lesser-known comics. My name's Mark Withers, and I'm honored and privileged to be your host today. Here's how it works. Each week, a guest and I will read five issues of a pre-selected title, and based on those five issues, we'll try to determine whether or not that comic should be added to your poll list. Today's comic, Saga, by Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. Joining me to talk about it is the host of the popular YouTube channel HMods, as well as an avid Twitch gamer and an all-around sci-fi nerd. Ladies and gentlemen, Hobbs Cultus. Hobbs, thanks for being on the show, man. Not a problem, man. Great to be on this thing. I love, love working with you on stuff. Likewise, man. Likewise. We go back some years, you and I, even God, back to- It's got to be like 20 <laughs> years at this point. At, at least, you know, like, uh, you know, I would say early to mid-aughts. You know, us both being in bands, me being uh, in Dissonic and you being in uh, Nine Millimeter Solution and doing shows together. Those are some good times, man. So it really, really was. Yeah. So so for me, this is a this is going to be a special episode, man. It, it's good to talk. You know, it's good to be able to bring in old friends and sort of talk comics. I know that back then you and I didn't really do a lot of nerd stuff together. But recently, you know, we just joined forces and did like uh, a series of TikTok videos for the Halo series back when I was in Nerdcage Live. Yeah. And uh, it's good to <laughs> it's good to kind oh. of bring you up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, let's just not talk about that. I know. I know. <laughs> PTSD from that. Right? Oh. So. oh, Pablo. Hopefully this will be a more enjoyable ride for you. So for today's comic, you know, I know that a lot of people are big fans of this one. Normally we do sort of more obscure stuff, but this is a personal favorite of mine. And so I wanted to sort of bring you in on it. I'm eager to jump in on it. But before we do, I want the audience to get to know you a little bit more. So if you would, please give us a little bit of your background and how you got into comics. Well, before I do that, first thing I wanted to say is like how our, how similar our offices are, <laughs> because you've got comic like comics behind you and you've got, you know, the turntable and the guitar and all that mm -hmm. stuff. Versus I've got guitars and comics all over my office too. Like that's all comic book pages. And then all around my office is all comic book pages on the wall and then certain comics and stuff. And when I got my, my toys wrote over here, I think that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think that, <laughs> you know, maybe that's why we get along so well. Cause it's like, we have, aside from the video gaming stuff and the PC building, like you and I have a lot of the same interests. Like we yeah. both love metal. We both love comics and nerd culture in general. So yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all that our offices are set up the same way. Yeah. So to bring everybody into my world, I've been a nerd since probably the time when I, my father gave me my first Robert Heinlein book when I was like five. Sci-fi was has always been my 
my thing. I've been less about magic and dragons and more about big giant lasers and walking tanks, which is literally the reason why I joined the military was I was reading Battletech books and Battletech comics as a kid. I've usually been more towards the superheroes that don't have powers, like Punisher and Batman and Iron Man and stuff like that. I've always been more about like the more realistic stuff. Uh, War Journal is one of my favorite titles. Nice. I've been reading comics since probably seven years old. And when I started, it was stuff that we had to get like secondhand because we were like broke back in the day, which was a Wednesday. Yeah. Big reader. Always been a big sci-fi reader. Big into comics. Big into video games. As I said, I do Twitch streaming right now. I build gaming computers, things like that. It's always been always been with me even through the military i took a dr seuss book with me <laughs> it's a basic training that was not popular <laughs> my drill sergeants had a field day with that one tell the audience a little bit about your youtube channel h mods uh oh. it's fascinating to me you know how you're able to sort of you know custom build these computers uh, seemingly from scratch and the way you personalize these things is awesome like the end result is awesome so just tell our audience a little bit about that well the youtube channel is about building fully customized uh, computers because gaming being, you know, a multi-billion dollar industry, it's one of those things where I was like, I'm versed in performing and being, you know, somewhat entertaining, even if it's self-deprecating. I was like, well, I could do this and I could do it, you know, what other people aren't doing, which is putting production quality into actual modding. You know, a lot of the tech tubers you have, like Jay's Two Cents and, you know, Linus Tech Tips and Nexus Mods, they'll build a computer, but they won't build a computer it's just it's all cookie cutter stuff and i'm like well i built my computer and it looks badass let's develop a channel around it and cyber gameway you know helped a lot with that but my big thing is building you know the modified one-off stuff where nobody else has this i might not have the most money in the world but it's still gonna look super cool my wife is a big part of it because she is a big part of the creative team. She does all the camera work and we bounce ideas off each other a lot. With the most recent project that we had, we basically took a 20 plus year old case as an old Gateway 2000 case and brought that into the modern world. So it looks like a gaming computer case completely redone and it even has USB 3.0 on it now. Nice. That's what we do. It's it's a fully custom shop that just happens to be entertaining. Entertaining it is, man. And uh, folks, I highly recommend that you all check this one out. But before you do, finish checking out this episode because we're getting ready to talk about Saga. Now, this, as I said earlier in the episode, is probably one of my favorite modern comics. Um, whenever I try to explain it to people, I have a really hard time because just there's just so many like it, there's a weird, lot there. Yeah, there's a lot there. And so I'm going to let Wikipedia describe this for me. Uh, and it says <laughs> saga. Are we depicts, sure everything's accurate. Y- right. You know, well, you know, I might have doctored it up here. And there, so. <laughs> <laughs> saga depicts a husband and wife, Alana and Marco from long warring extraterrestrial races fleeing authorities from both sides of a galactic war as they struggle to care for their daughter, Hazel, who is born in the middle of the series and who occasionally narrates the series as an unseen adult. This description itself is somewhat vague, but I can't think of a better way to kind of 
describe what's going on in it other than to just kind of break down the characters. But maybe you could do a better job, Hobbs. Like, what was your initial feeling when you first read this comic? I immediately connected with Alana and Marco because I liked that it was sort of the it was sort of a Romeo and Juliet situation. Oh, man, just how to how to just jump into a more detailed description without giving everything away. But it's just one of those things where you immediately connect with the main characters and, you know, the peripheral characters, you know, one of the characters is uh, robot Four, Prince robot, the four. Right. <laughs> and I was just like, what's his story? Cause he's like Prince William where he just feels completely underappreciated. Yeah. It was one of those things where I really wanted to know more about him. I wanted to know more about Marco and Alana and Marco met in prison. She was one of the people guarding and he was one of the prisoners. Right. And I want to know more about that. The first five issues, it, it really, really wets your whistle. Right. And I don't really know how more, how, how more to describe it. All the characters in it, even the peripheral characters, they have dimension and depth. And I've really, really dug that. Yeah, I would agree with that. This was my second time reading these five issues. Now, now the series itself came out in 2012. I had heard a lot of buzz around it around that time. And so maybe like the second half of 2012, beginning of 2013, I read it for the first time, at least these first few issues. And then most recently for this episode, I reread them. What I notice more about the second reading is... I remember an interview with Brian Vaughn where he talked about coming up with these characters from childhood. Like whenever mm. he was bored, he would think about like, well, what if there was this Prince Robot character? Or what if there was this character? And what if they lived on this planet? And It's and interesting it, that you say that because Prince Robot definitely seems like a character that a, a character name at yes. least that a child would come up with. It'd be like, his name's going to be Prince Robot and his yes. head's going to be a TV. <laughs> and every time he gets mad, you see this mad face on the TV. That makes a lot of sense now that you mm -hmm. mentioned that. Exactly. Like, and the, you know, one of the plants, you know, cleave and wreath. And it just, those are words that a child would think are super cool words. Exactly right. It's really, know? really cool. When I reread the series, coming back to that uh, memories of that interview, I was like, no wonder this is laid out the way that it is, but it's executed in a way that doesn't feel childish. It right. just it feels has, it has super a lot of, imaginative. It has, it, it's, it has the depth of something that had been thought about for a long time. Right. At the same time, it touches on notes of adult themes. You know what I mean? Well, there's that a lot was, of adult subject matter in it. Yeah, there, but was, there was some of that. <laughs> Some of the subtext having to do with war and like differences in culture and people having problems with like interracial or inter in this case, interspecies, interspecies marriage. Yeah. Those are like very real world topics. And, you know, I like that Vaughn touched on those things. Now, I don't know how much of that came out of his childhood, but <laughs> but I like that it brings those things into this series without it feeling necessarily like preachy or or like it's hitting you over the head with those things. Right. It was it was like um, old heavy metal issues. Thinking about it now and having read some of those stories after decades of not having read it. After the first issue, I was like, wow, this is a lot like heavy metal, not only for the overall feel of the story, but definitely some of the content. 
Yeah, I would agree. That's that's a good <laughs> there, assessment. There, I there, hadn't thought there, of that. There's a there's a naked spider lady in it, people. <laughs> there's a lot of naked people in it. You know, just <laughs> get fair warning. This is not something, you know, if you're if you're I'm gonna go ahead and say if you're under 17, you probably shouldn't be reading this. But although if I was 15 years old, I probably would have probably been, would be reading but, it. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> <laughs> I snuck home issues of of heavy metal when I was a kid. <laughs> Some of that stuff was pretty good, though, because that was the first time I'd ever heard of The Crow. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. James O'Barr first published a lot of the story in Heavy Metal. Mm-hmm. I've actually got the first print of The Crow right over here on my, on, on my shelf. Oh, man. Yeah, that's pretty nifty. That's awesome. That is cool. That is cool. Primal warrior Draco Azul is the story of a man who finds a giant robot from ancient Mayan times and uses it to fight giant monsters that are mysteriously appearing all over modern-day Mexico. It's a little bit of Godzilla, Power Rangers, and Pacific Rim, all set against the Mexican backdrop for a unique cultural flair. Guys, I've been lucky enough to read the first few issues of this, and so far, I gotta say, I'm loving it. If you're a fan of mecha, kaiju, tokusatsu, or just really cool action comics in general, this is going to be right up your alley. You can find Primal Warrior Draco Azul on Amazon Kindle and Comixology. Get yours today. Now, I thought we shift gears a little bit here and talk about the dollar value here. So at the time of its initial publishing in 2012, the cover price of each of these issues was about $2.99. Pretty reasonable, right? (laughs) So fast forward about 10 years, um, the average cost of these issues is about $101.80, with the first two issues being quite a bit more than that. That's a hell of an appreciation. Yeah, I've seen them go as as high as 500 for like a 9.6 or a 9.8 that's that's graded. But even ungraded, I'm seeing prices that are in the neighborhood of like 250 to 275, and then the other three being a little bit less than that. Wow, so, wow, with wow. that knowledge, does that sway your opinion one way or the other as to whether or not Saga is a collectible? Oh no, it doesn't change it at all. <laughs> it, <laughs> I like the comic, but I think when it comes to a medium like this, I think comics overall are underappreciated. So when you find a good series like this, even an older one, I mean, we're not talking about a, you know, a new contemporary title. We're talking about a title that needs to be read something like this. Oh yeah. I am constantly thinking about how things just are completely underappreciated and like PC games. You can't get a PC game on hard copy to save your life these days. But I think it's a medium that needs to come back. I think comics need to come back into the line, especially stuff that's not Marvel or DC. Thank you. That yeah. Like, you know, let's bring those- some let's 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 make a movie called The Darkness. That's a comic book story that needs to be told. Yeah. My opinion on this, you know, when we talk about comics that actually have a high dollar value today, a lot of times that'll sway someone like where, you know, if you had never heard of this comic before, and maybe you wanted to grab it. If it was worth about 500 bucks to get a first printing, maybe you wouldn't buy that because it may not appreciate See, any further than that. For me, it I have, if, at least for, the, for a long time, until like yeah, last six or seven years, I was always of the opinion of, you know, you look at Spider-Man number one. Spider-Man number one, if you can find it, 
and if let alone if you can find it in a sealed in a sealed frame is an enormous amount of money. Yeah. But I've always been I've never been like, wow, you know what? I really got to read it because it's Silver Age and it was crap back in the day. (laughs) (laughs) It was like it was like, you know, the comic book code ruined comics. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I was just like, I don't care. Right. At this point in my life, if it's not a major company, I could possibly get into that. Like Preacher number one, I really Mm want to read at some point. Right. There's a couple of like Marvel DC top cow image and stuff that I would love to read, but it's just one of those things where for the longest time I was of the opinion that if it costs that much money, the market value is based on people that are controlling the market. Right. Versus something like Saga, if it's worth that much, I don't think it's worth enough. Right. Because it's like, it immediately hooked me. It was like the expanse. Mm -hmm. It immediately hooked me. Because it yeah. didn't start with the beginning of the story. It started with a baby happening. Yes. And I was like, okay, so we're writing the thing. And I love stories like that. It was like Firefly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, the way that it's laid out, it's almost like, you know, the way that a TV series might be laid out, like a modern show where you're not starting at the very beginning of the story. You're like thrown right into the center. And then you're given that backstory sort of, in bits and pieces as the story goes along. And I, and I appreciated the way that they did that. And I like that they give the main voice to the baby. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like instead of it being the actual adult heroes of the series, Alana and Marco, the voice that kind of narrates the story is their infant child, which I thought was pretty innovative. Going back to the collecting part, I collect these as trade publications today. Like, I don't think I have a single issue, like an individual issue for this. But if I had the means to get the first five issues, you know, in good condition and and well graded, I probably would spend the money uh, to do that just because I think in 10 years' time, 20 years' time, they're going to appreciate even more, especially if this ever gets optioned to be an animated series, a TV totally series, see. a film, which it's like it's made for that. You know, there's some things that probably wouldn't translate well, but the overall story, I think, is a sci fi lover's <laughs> wet dream. <laughs> I can totally see the stock being as badly done as the rock scorpion king oh no yeah they definitely could let's not, not have let's, released let's not this do in that. 2002 <laughs> oh man oh man <laughs> okay Hobbs. well it's time for our official verdict here so what say you collect or reject collect hands down awesome awesome get, same get, for get me. me issue number one i don't care just yeah get me issue number one absolutely in in, 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 in a frame <laughs> signed. I'll, I'll, yeah signed <laughs> otherwise that just give it to me i'll smell it put it in a bag and put it away same here same here it's, you know <laughs> you folks at home you already know this is a collect for me you know which is probably no surprise to anybody again this is a well respected series by brian k vaughn and fiona staples i don't know too many people that have read this and think that it's garbage It's just under the radar. I wouldn't call this like a lesser known title like we have done in other episodes, but at the same time, it's not ubiquitous in the same way 
that like a Spider-Man comic would be or like a Justice League comic. Agreed. There's a lot of people out there, a lot of casual readers that still have never heard of this series. Yeah, this um, is this is one of those things where it's kind of like The Walking Dead where Kirkman didn't get near enough recognition for it and then the show happened and then right know, the, and then it the number one's worth like a thousand bucks now right right so, yeah I mean, so this is definitely one of those right right this is this is definitely something that should have gotten a lot more notice than it did yeah absolutely well we're going to wrap it up there uh once again i'd like to thank my guest hobbs cultus for being here today hobbs before you go please tell our audience where they can find you on YouTube, on Twitch, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, on builds. Uh, most of them are HMods or HMods Gaming. Twitter is Hobbs Keltus. Uh, oh, fuck. Now I have to <laughs> bleep that out. So uh, YouTube is HMods. Um, uh, Twitch is HMods. Instagram is, oh, whatever. It's. <laughs> H dash mods. There you go. I'm number one on Google. Basically, yeah. So just Google or DuckDuckGo, H dash mods, Hobbs. You will find Hobbs Cultus and you will find a fantastic channel. Of course, I want to thank you all for listening. If you like what you heard today, please rate and review this episode. Until next time, this is Mark Withers. Catch you on the next page. Collector Reject is a production of Press Play Media in association with Bon Keith Sounds. This episode was produced and edited by Mark Withers, music by Keith Sewell. Saga was created by Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples for Image Comics. For more information on this and other episodes, visit us at collectorreject.com.